Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Samuel the 13th chapter verse 14 and also 1st Samuel 1st Samuel the 13th chapter verse 14 but now thy kingdom shall not continue the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart everybody say after God's heart after his own heart and the Lord have commanded him to be captain over his people because thou has not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. 1 Samuel 16 verses 6 through 7 and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Verse 11 and 12. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet a youngster, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. In verse 12, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and a goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Eternal God, we are grateful and thankful to you for again allowing us to be here in the land of the living, able to, Lord, once again enjoy your presence. And we realize that in the presence of the Lord, there is a fullness of joy. And there's a joy that's, Lord, in this place right now, God. It's the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, and we thank you for it. And we ask, God, that we, Lord, enter into your word with that same joy and enthusiasm, not just to be a hearer, but to be a doer of your word. Now, Lord, please help me, your servant, Lord, for I truly need your anointing this morning. Anoint me, Lord, that, Lord, as I speak, Lord, hearts will be convicted, convinced, and most of all, Lord, turn to you. And when all of this is said and done and people repent of their sins and they're baptized in your name and filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll remember to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And let everyone say in Jesus' name. Jesus name. If you would just allow me to go back to uh, 
1 Samuel 16, 11 and 12. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. I want to minister to you from the remaining time that I have from this thought. God is in the business of knowing our heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is in the heart business. God bless you. You may be seated. An owner of a business sent a memo out to his employees, letting them know that there was a united fund drive that he wanted all of his employees to participate in because he wanted 100% participation. However, one of his employees informed his supervisor that he didn't want to participate and that he wasn't going to participate. Well, the word got back to the owner of the company. So he requested to see the employee. The owner said, now, I know you heard that I've wanted 100% participation in the fundraising drive this year. However, I'm told that you uh, don't want to participate and you're not going to participate. And he said, now, why is that? The employee replied, because I just don't want to participate, sir. The owner of the company said, well, that leaves me with only two options. One is that you will participate and I'll get 100% participation. Or two, your services are terminated and therefore I will still achieve my 100% participation. The choice is yours. The employee said, I'll take the first one. The owner said and asked him, what caused you to change your mind? He said, no one ever explained it to me like that. I really hope and pray that at the conclusion of this message that you will see the subject matter from a whole new perspective. Sometimes it's just the way somebody explains it to you. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off and you get it. So I'm hoping that that will be the experience that you receive in this day. Letting you know again that God is in the business of knowing our hearts. God is in the heart business. Whatever he does in our life as people is done according to the state of his or her heart. I know you wonder sometimes why this and why that. Brothers and sisters, guests and visitors out there in media land, perhaps it could be because of your heart. It's because of your heart, sir and ma'am. He can't use every heart. Some has that contents in it that is resistant 
It resists the will of God in their life. So henceforth, he can't operate like he wants to in our lives. His operation is stunted because of the issue that you have in your heart about a situation. The best example I can give you is that he gives us an example of the parable of the seed and the sower found or Matthew 13 and 5. And we know that this is the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow in his field. The seed represents here the word of God, the unadulterated word of truth, the seed. But that seed is to be planted into the earth, into the ground. The ground represents our heart. And and you remember the parable. There are certain different soils, if you please, or earth that is planted in. Well, don't forget there was a soil that was called the stony soil. You know what I'm talking about. It was that soil that was resistant. It, It could only penetrate it just a little. And we find that in the fifth verse, it says, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. They didn't have the heart for it. See, some people do things in ministry simply because they're asked to. But you can tell the folk that do it because they love it. They do it because God put it in their spirit to do it. I've been blessed in this ministry to to see that played out again and again and again. And for uh, nobody being offended, I'll call names. But these names are worthy to be called. Sister Lily Tyler, Sunday school teacher extraordinaire. She said, Pastor, I don't know nothing about teaching Sunday school. But God had put it in my spirit that she was the one. And you know what? That heart for it is even unto this day. Without me saying anything, Pastor, I need to speak to you today. Sunday school books came in. I've got a list. Everybody can sign. See, that's from somebody that that the ground was ready. The soil, the the heart. It wasn't stony. It wasn't resistant. But some fell on some stony places where they had not much earth. You see, when you don't have a heart to do something, you'll just do it for a little while and you'll let it go. Another honorable mention, a couple of honorable mentions in the media center, and most of you all know that, that look on Facebook Live and YouTube. I thank God for Minister Will Cullum. I thank God for Deacon Chick, Edward Chick. They have shown their passion, have shown that they have a heart to do it. Long after you're gone, long after the ushers have tidied up everything and put everything back in place, they're still here saying what we could have done better. This is what I'm saying. God is in the business of knowing our hearts. And some fell on stony places where they had not much earth And forthwith, they sprang up because they had not depth, deepness of earth. They last a little while, and then after a while, you have to ask them, brother, I thought you were supposed to be done. Oh, yeah, pastor, I got busy. Yeah, well, I thought you, pastor, you know, I just don't have it like that no more. I don't feel like doing that. 
I can promise you, you can sit there and look at me, and I'm going to look back at you, but this is the truth. God knows your heart. He really does. There's another example, another scripture, if you allow me to, to go to the Old Testament, just again to, to prove the point, to make sure we understand what we're talking about today is, is legitimate. It's, it's in the word of God how we find it. There are things that are coming up that we just really don't pay attention to until sometimes it's too late dealing with the issues of our heart. In Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, verse number 19, Sister Teresa Prescott, if you would, and I want you to read for me, Ezekiel 11, verse 19, and I want you to read down to verse number 21. Verse 19 says, and I will give them one heart. And I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will put a new spirit within you. I, I'm here to say today God wants to do some transformation in the lives of his people by giving us a new heart and a new spirit. Read. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh. And I will take the stony heart, that one that is resistant, that one is not willing. Read. And will give them a heart of flesh. And will give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes. That they may do what? Walk in my statutes. That they may walk in my statue, my word. They won't be just a Sunday morning Christian, but they'll walk in this word seven days a week. Read. And keep my ordinances. And keep my ordinances. And do them. And do them. Now listen, it is one thing to hear the word, but it's another thing to be a doer of the word. The scripture tells us not to be a hearer only, but to be a doer. Read. And they shall be my people. And they shall be what? My people. And I if, will... Whoa! If we are the people of God, we ought to know that he really does know our heart. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray mm -hmm. and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Mm -hmm. The saints of God have some wicked ways sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I will be their what? Their God. Their God. Capital G-O-D. He'll be our God. The Lord knows hearts and deals accordingly. When a person is received or granted favor by the Lord, that's the person that's blessed. You know, everybody want to be blessed. I, I'm blessed and going out, blessed am I coming in? Well, all that is simply saying is that God's favor is upon you. So God gives that favor. The Lord gives us that favor. And it's due to what's found in his or her heart. Somebody say it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Likewise, when one is rejected by him, it's because there is a problem found in their heart. The psalmist said in Psalms 139, 23, and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, it's time for a spiritual checkup in the house today. 
It's time for us to, to be real and examine our heart because the heart is God's criterion for dealing with mankind. His eyes are upon all the ways of man to work with him according to what he finds in the heart. If a person is promoted by God or rejected by him, the reason will be found in the heart because that's the place that the Lord looks at. We're going to look at it later on in the text. But he told him, no, don't pay attention to the outward man. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to the flash, <laughs> the bling. <laughs> I'm looking at the heart. It, it's going to be found in the heart because this is the place where God is, is looking. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. That's in Job 34 and 21. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the ruins even to give every man according to the fruit of his doing. You see, God is going to bless you accordingly to what you do. They're going to be, they come and knock at the door and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name and didn't I do that in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquities. I never knew you. I don't know about you, but that got to be a slap in the face. Never knew. I used to come to church. I used to go over to that tithing box and drop something. In. He said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And this is the part that gets me. I never knew you. I, I know you thought when you came and you sat down, I was taking roll and say, oh, they present today. Some of us have it all twisted. We think that when we show up in here, everything's supposed to be kicking off now. He's going to set everything off. My brothers and sisters, God is in the heart business. He knows everything about us. Let's be clear. A person's talents, skills, and natural abilities can take him or her a long way in the world. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. That's the truth. I mean, you got people making millions of dollars on different things that they do, whether it's athlete, whether it's a rapper, singer, you name it. It'll take you a long way in the world. However, God looks on the heart and it must contain the right motives. It's got to have the right stuff. Your motives got to be pure and right. Your motives pure in your service toward God. He does not look at things through faulty eye lenses. Anybody, I know I, I I, I will be faking if I take these glasses off and try to read. Y'all be saying, Pastor can't read? Thank God for lenses that are good lenses. But you ever got some faulty lenses? <laughs> they read the prescription. <laughs> you took the prescription in there, but they read it wrong and gave you some glasses. You said, whoa, can't see. But see, God is not looking at our hearts through a faulty lens. His sight is pure. And holy. Somebody say, he's holy. Don't you think a holy God deserves holy people to serve him? Not people perpetrating. Not people saying, I believe God this day. But catch me on Saturday. <laughs> you see, because the Lord, his lenses are not faulty. They're clear because they're pure and they're holy. 
because the Lord's holy eyes, he's the one that elevates people that we think should be destroyed and people that we think should be cut off and feel that they shouldn't continue. God says, I got another plan for them. Anybody believe that? Well, all we have to do is go back to our account and we find that God, the way he elects is different from ours. God elections process is different. And we find that in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. And just to give a backdrop, uh, God had told uh, Samuel that because of what happened in the 13th chapter in Kings, where Saul was told to slay everybody, don't leave nothing. And when the man of God came, instead of them Saul doing what he was instructed to do, and I'm going to tell you, that's a thing that's going to get a lot of folk in trouble, not paying attention to details that God gives us. He wants us to pay close attention to detailed instruction. Let, let me ask you a question. Y'all watch TV and you see the commercials and you notice that they have these advertisements. And then at the end of the advertisements and is probably narcotics or you know some type of medicine or something and they want you to, to be aware of all of the warnings. And so they say some things but if you hone in, you'll see this little fine print. Don't read it if you don't want to. Let something happen to you. Let a side effect take you out. Try to sue them. And they'll say, wait a minute. We had it right there for you to read. Special detailed instructions. Because you didn't follow them. That's on you. I'm saying to you that... Because God told the man of God, I, I want you to go in the AI and I want you to destroy everything. He didn't do it. And then when the prophet came, Samuel came, he heard in the background the bleeding of the sheep. And he asked Saul, what does that mean? He said, oh, what I did was I kept the best for, for us to sacrifice. He said, no, that's not what I wanted. Obedience is better than talk back to me. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. I'd rather you had obeyed and slain everything than for me to come back and hear in the background the bleeding of the sheep. And from that point on, God had already made up in his mind, I'm checking out the heart and you're not the one. I've got another one. And that's where we come in the 16th chapter. And we find that Jesse had these sons. He had several sons. And they were paraded before Jesse because the Lord told Jesse, now, now, I mean, he told Sam, what I want you to do, I want you to go, and there's a man by the name of Jesse, he has sons, and out of those sons, one of his sons is going to be the one I want you to anoint with oil, and he will take the place of King Saul. He said, but if, if I go there, Lord, he's going to be angry, and, and, and it's not going to be good for me. He said, no, just tell him you're going to make a sacrifice. And he went there. He asked Jesse, I need you to bring your sons out. And long story short, he paraded all of them before him. They all had certain qualifications that, man, Samuel said, man, that's the one. The Lord said, mm-mm. Okay, that's, that's the one right there. No, no, no. That one, no. And then he got to Eliab. And when, when he got to Eliab, he said, oh, man, look at his content. He probably was chiseled out. I don't know. Maybe six foot tall. I don't know. But whatever it was, they were excited. And they said, this is the one. And he says, no, that's not the one. You look from a whole different perspective 
than God does. How many of you know God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? And God is saying to him, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. And then Samuel says, this got to be the one. And let me say what he said. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height, his stature, because I have refused him. See, that's why you can't say, well, that brother should have been this and that sister should have been this. That's what you said. <laughs> but what did God say? I don't know about you, but I, I'm getting in a practice. I want to follow what God says because man will cause you to be shipwrecked. He said, nope, that's not him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward. How, how many of you know everything that glitter is in gold? <laughs> and, and I know sometimes we say, man, this is it because you look at the exterior. You know, some of these game shows, I'm not a game show fanatic, but the price is right. It, it kind of gets to me. Sometimes you'll see people by appearance. They'll say, curtain number one or this little box. And, you know, <laughs> this week was amazing. That a lady, she said, I'll take the curtain. And it was a pretty fair gift behind the curtain. But on the little box, when they opened it up, it was a, a Mercedes 2020. I forgot what E-Series it was. That car was $43,000. But she looked at the appearance of a little box. How many of you know great things come in little packages? I, when God saw Iliad, he wasn't deceived by the outward appearance. He says, no, that's not the one. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. On the heart. And we got to get to the place where we start looking on the heart. Because Eliab, he was very impressive from the outward to Samuel. He had all the tangibles. He was tall, good looking. And, in, and that list goes on and on and on. And, and the person of him, he, it just seemed like he was the one. But his physical person was not what God was looking for. He was looking at the heart. God has his reasons for choosing people according to the position and conditions of the heart. Please, I want somebody to hear me now because sometimes we miss opportunities because of the heart. He knows that if the heart won't pass the test, his or her service won't pass. It'll be fading. It'll come in and come out. Anybody ever had a station like that? You come in and come out. See, back in the day, I'm telling on myself, we had the rabbit ears. And, and sometimes with the rabbit ears, you, you had to do extra stuff. You had to get some aluminum foil and put it on there. Put one foot up in the air. No, 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 stand on, move, move. Stay right there. You know how we did all of that because it was going to get the picture that we wanted. But God is knowing already the heart of the individual, knowing that if their heart won't pass the test, their service won't. Either. Now let's take a look at God's choice of David 
over Saul. I know I got some people right now, you already going ahead of me, and you want to emphasize all of the wrong that David has done. And you can point that out real good. Y'all that have been here a while, you know I like to do this every now and then. If I were to ask the ushers to get a blank piece of paper and pass it out, and I want you to write on that paper every flaw that you can see that I have on my appearance. Guess what would happen? Paper would run out, and you'd ask the ushers for another piece of paper. You'd be like, shh, shh, shh. And I'd say, come on, I want you to write down everything that you see wrong with me. And then I'd say, now flip it over, and I want you to point out everything that is wrong with you. That's when some of y'all act like right is kicked in, and you can't even begin to write. Why is it? Because you're so easily able to see the wrong. So I, I want us to, we're going to compare in a minute why God may have chosen David opposed to Saul. I know I've got some teachers in the house, Sister Teresa Prescott for one, so you can appreciate this. A teacher came into her class, and she wrote the following on the board. Nine times one equals seven. Nine times two, 18. Nine times three, 27. Nine times four, 36. Nine times five, 45. Nine times six, 54. Nine times seven, 63. Nine times eight, 72. Nine times nine, 81. Nine times 10, 100. Not 100. Don't you write that. 90. So she had how many wrong? Just one wrong. Teddy jumped right on that. Just one wrong. And when she was done, she looked to the students, and they were all laughing at her for getting the first equation wrong. The teacher let them laugh. They was dying. <laughs> she was supposed to be. <laughs> so she just let them go on and cut up, and they laughed. They laughed and laughed. Then said she the following. I wrote the first one wrong on purpose because I wanted you to see how the world will treat you when you mess up. I got one thing wrong, but I wrote right the other nine. This is how many people in the world will treat you. They will criticize the one wrong thing you do and skip over the million good things that you've done. When we go back and we look at the, and we try to see why, why did God choose David over Saul? Don't forget, God is in the business of knowing our heart. He's in the heart business. So, so he understood that Saul was the people's choice. How many, you know, that sometimes the people's choice is not God's choice. And, and God allowed them. See, because don't forget, Israel had begun to be accustomed to following God in the wilderness. They didn't see him. Pillar by day, fire by night. They heard his voice, but they didn't see him. And they had gotten to a place in their following. They wanted to follow someone that, that was physical, that they could see. And then when Saul came on the scene, the Lord had already said, no, you, you don't want that. But they said, we want a king. We want to be like every other nation. He said, okay, I'll give you a king. So he allowed Saul 
for brothers and sisters, guests and visitors. He knew the heart. So what happens? Saul gets in, and he does just what he knew he would do. He would do contrary to the word of God. He would mislead the people of God. And so God always has the ram in the bush. David was that ram. God says, I've got another king already prepared. Now, to make a long story short, we found out in the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, there's a phrase in there that he was a man after God's own heart. But that's also found in Acts, the 13th chapter, where he talks about David, and he talks about all that David had done, and he says that, that David was a man after God's own heart. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean that he's a man after God's own heart? That meant that he had a passion to do whatever God said do. Although we know the one time that we see in scripture where he messed up, he came back. In Psalm 51, he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You see, that's the thing. Saul wasn't willing to repent of what he did. He made excuses of why he did. Oh, it was the people. The, the people, they, they, they wanted to meet me to, to sacrifice, so I sacrificed. The people wanted me to, to keep back this part, and, and so I kept back this part. But brothers and sisters, it says that David was a man after God's own heart, and I don't take that lightly, nor should you take it lightly. Again, in Acts 13, 22, and, and I'm almost done. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. This is God testifying for David. And I said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. My God, if you're listening on social media, I hope that now you look at this from a whole different perspective. We can mess up today and be redeemed tomorrow. We can have a oops and God pick you right back up and restore you. But sir, ma'am, you got to know that God knows your heart. And, and I know, I know it's a, a thing out there and, and people say things that are just totally crazy about, I know my heart. I, I got a good heart. I don't want to challenge anybody. But the scriptures tells us that it, a man that thinks his heart is good, he's a fool. No, nobody want to say amen to that. <laughs> you, you don't want to say amen that, that God in his word says, you know what? For me to think that way is foolish. But I know for a fact that in Jeremiah 17th chapter, it says that the heart, do, do you really know your heart? I mean, do you know, again, that he said, he that trusteth in his own heart. That's exactly what the scripture says. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. That's in Proverbs 28 and 26. But I want to read to you what Jeremiah said in the 17th chapter in my closing. I, I truly want you to hear the word of the Lord. You, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
There's only one somebody that knows your heart, knows your intentions, knows your motives. There's only one, and I am not he. That's why I never try to put myself in a position where it seems as though I'm judging somebody's intent or their heart. Because guess what? And, and leadership will tell you this. This is, this is my favorite line, to thine own self be true. Because there's, there's two people that know now, you and God. And I am not he. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. He does on a daily basis. You should pray that prayer in Psalms 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That is a wonderful prayer. If you're sincere, he will do it and he will show you. Because sometimes we get to the point we don't think that we've got any issues in our heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man to his way and according to the fruit of his doings. So you see, it is your heart that can promote you. It is your heart that can demote you. With every head bowed and all eyes closed, I want you to just for a moment do a self-examination of where you are in your response to where you need to be. I want you to really pray, Lord, you know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know my downfalls and my uprisings. So, Lord, search me through and through. And, Lord, if you find anything that does not resemble you, root it up and pluck it out. I want to be Jesus, that person that you can depend on that you can count on to do your will. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise. Because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God, and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive, and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.